All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peachtree, 5th next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new frontier. PA contractor number PA039007. Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. We are glad to have with us here Dr. Fernando Melarano. He is an endocrinologist with Lecom Health. And uh, Doc, welcome back. We're we're not celebrating, but we're recognizing Diabetes Awareness Month here. Yep. And and so we want to go to the experts. So well, thank you, thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Always happy to um, to help right uh, with the show and reach out to our um, you know our audience here. And November is Diabetes Awareness Month, um, and, you know, it comes by every year, right around the holidays, too, right? Yeah. So, you know, eating and, and obesity and weight is a big part of diabetes, and we're specifically talking about type 2 diabetes, um, you know, that affects our adults primarily. And really, I just want to have a, you know, just an opportunity to uh, bring it back to the attention of anybody who might be concerned about their their diabetes, their pre-diabetes, go over some of the uh, the basics regarding the disease, how important it is to to control it. Yeah, yeah. The if if I asked you what is like the biggest uh, development in in mitigating diabe- diabetes in 2023, well, what would you what would you say that is? Well, it would be. Um, it kind of goes without saying that there's been a lot of new medications in the news and in the media about diabetes, um, specifically some of these injectables that have, you know, weight loss associated with them. So the, um, you know, I think last time we focused on talking a little bit about Ozempic. Right? Yeah, right. And and this class of GLP-1 agonists, that's the name of the class of medications. <laughs> right. Um, and... And the and the fact that it has been it has come to uh, people's attention how much weight loss there is associated with this diabetic med, and it became kind of a mainstream thing, and uh, media people kind of got a hold of it, and it was in the news every day for the longest period of time. But the reality is, even, even yet, like yesterday. Oh, I'm sh- I'm sure because yeah. uh, there's the there's the Lily product, the Manjaro Manjaro that right. I guess came out as being two times more effective than Ozempic and right. but that's more on the weight loss thing and we don't want to get our well, our so, wires crossed no here. it's okay no we're going to cover all the ground you know we, we will we will cover everything to clarify that's that's the you know that's why I'm here so Manjaro is a is a type 2 diabetic medication it came yeah. out for type 2 diabetes it, it acts like a GLP which is that same class of medication uh, as Ozempic and all the other injectables that we think about for diabetes and it, it's a GLP-1 agonist, or um, they're called mimetics. They imitate hormones in our bodies. So a lot of the hormones that are in our system that control weight, control metabolism, control appetite, right? Things are happening behind the scenes. You eat a meal, and then what happens? Mm-hmm. The energy is stored um, you know, between meals, 
energy has to be released from the liver. What's doing all of that? Well, they're hormones. Interesting. And and we've now this class of medications, these GLPs we're talking about, they're twenty years old. So they're not brand new. It's so surprising. Yeah, they're Bidurian, Bieta were some of the first ones that came out. Victoza, Trulicity, these are the other medications that have come along the way. And we recognize there was weight loss associated with them. But for whatever reason, it, it just didn't take off for weight loss in the way Ozempic did. And Ozempic has a little bit more weight loss associated with the predecessors. But okay. but it had everything to do with sort of the world we live in right now, right? So so when a star talks about something, it's it's all over everywhere. For, mm. And every Everybody has it in their hand, right on their phone, right, right in their pocket, and so, so some, some, um, you know, celebrities started talking about Ozempic, and then it kind of took off from there. Um, but for type two diabetics, has it been an effective course of yes. of medication all yeah. these years? It has been. It has been. Yeah, it's been a, just another tool in our toolbox okay. that uh, uh, doctors such as myself use to help lower A1Cs, improve their sugars. Yeah, and we notice some weight loss, you know, too. Okay. But yes, it's a great diabetic medication. Um, and because there's a weight loss associated with it, and the fact that it can be safely used in a non-diabetic, right? So you might say, well, wait a minute, these are type 2 diabetic meds. What if you use it in a non-diabetic? Are they going to have low sugar problems, for example? Mm. And the answer is no, because we all have GLP in our bodies. It's, it's a hormone that's doing what it should be doing. And it's one of the things that you might say is a little bit broken in, in a type 2 diabetic, one of the things that is that could that could use fixing. Yeah. So when you supplement that, they do they do better was the just trying trying to understand was the typical course of of medication in the past you got somebody on metformin which is what a synthetic insulin correct no 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 no. oh it's not no it's not um so um metformin is called a biguanide um it's it's unique in its class there's no other medications in that entire class oh okay helps with something called insulin sensitivity so it may, may might work it might it helps your insulin work better. So, okay, so and that's in why it's an initial. It's one of the generally? first ones. There's a little yeah. bit of weight loss associated. Yeah. With it. So there's something called insulin resistance. Right. So type two diabetes is not a problem of not having enough insulin. By by no means, type two diabetics have more insulin than they're making more insulin than, than the non-diabetic because of insulin resistance. So the cells don't respond to insulin as well as they should uh, as part of the entire picture of type 2 diabetes. So they make more insulin. So metformin helps your own insulin work a little bit better. And of okay. course, insulin drives your sugar down, right? Insulin yeah. brings sugar down in the blood. And so metformin is one of the first workhorse drugs. It's been around forever. We, we like it. We use it. Only it does what it kind of does. There, and then some other medications have, have come along the way. Sulfonurias. Um, those are the glipizide, glyburide, glimipiride. I'm sure a lot of our listeners say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm on that. That's another very old drug. That drives sugar down by kind of forcing the insulin to squeeze, uh, the, forcing the pancreas to squeeze out insulin. Interesting. And because it will do it in a way kind of regardless of what your blood level is it can cause lows i see so insulin can cause lows and and the sulfonurias can cause lows and, and you want to stay away from the lows. And a low sugar is dangerous right that's yeah. you running out of gas you're gonna you're gonna pass out or or you could die right if you take too much wow. of, of a medication that can like insulin insulin's dangerous right it's dangerous because it could bottom out your blood sugars and then you're gonna pass out you're gonna have major problems so those are the two meds that cause low sulfonurias, glipizides, and, and insulin. And those are old medications. So along the way, we've developed other medications. So 
these GLPs that we're talking right. about, been around for 20 years. Um, they're, they're very effective. At first, they were very cumbersome, though. These auto-injecting pens we have now, they're mm. so easy. You hit a button, you get your dose within yeah. seconds, and you're done. It wasn't that easy back in the day. Uh. The patients actually had to mix it themselves. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah, wow. there would be a little vial of saline and a little of uh, and a little thing of powder, and they would have to mix it themselves <laughs> and shake it until it's the right consistency, and then inject it. And it was... It was something to teach her patients so how to do for, that. Form the form over function, you know, Absolutely. was a situation. Right, there. right. So that that probably slowed things down. Yeah. And now that we got these easy to use pens, that is it's taken off in that mm -hmm. in that regard. Um, and 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 there's other a few other classes along the way that have come along that work fairly well. But but these new meds are, are quite remarkable. What's what's happening on the on the chron like I shouldn't say the chronic but the crisis level where we're basically you know what, this person's sugar is out of control. What what do you guys do then? Well, so, you know, for the longest time, um, if a person's A1C came in at, we'll say 10, right? So 6.5% diagnosis diabetes. That means sugars are higher than they should be consistent with diabetes. It's a percentile that reflects the blood glucose And what would, what would that be on a fasting glucose level yeah, generally? Right, so, you know, 180 maybe. 180? Yeah, something Is 6.5-ish? Roughly, a little less okay, than that yeah. probably. Yeah, so you... Uh, and that's, you know, and that's over the 99 that you're supposed to be under, right? right? Yeah, right. So 99, so you, this is a point I wanted to make. Yeah. So some patients along the way may have had routine blood work and it shows a sugar of of, of high and it's 104 106 and the family doc might say well we'll just keep an eye on that you know mm -hmm. um and the reality is we're getting more aggressive with that no you know what that's pre-diabetes um you're not where you're supposed to be you're at risk of becoming a diabetic and you should be started on something sooner than later to help stave it off interesting so treating pre-diabetes and that's another you know definition here so what are we talking about a person's sugars who are higher than normal but not as high as consistent with the diagnosis of diabetes so that's pre-diabetes and if you've been told you're pre-diabetic or borderline they used to always say well you're borderline you know and then you might just be told you know work on your diet and exercise we'll check this again next time mm -hmm. and we realize no we can't let that just continue we have to take care of it sooner than later a good analogy might be blood pressure a lot of people probably appreciate, no, I shouldn't be running a blood pressure, you know, kind of medium high. Like, that's not good. We need to bring it down. And those guidelines have gotten more aggressive. We really do want it below, closer to 120 over 80, not just below 140 or 150. We need it better because we see the outcomes. You're, you're going to be better off if you get it lower quicker. Same thing with sugars. That is, that is, that is fascinating. So the, the idea is, and I think the first takeaway we need to make here is, if you're not getting your blood work done every year and getting these screenings, you have no clue where you're at. You know, it's it's another one of the silent killers, you know, quote unquote silent killers. So a lot of diseases are called that. High blood pressure, you don't necessarily feel, but you're gonna, it's very dangerous. This you're not gonna really feel much of for the most part. You could be walking around, your sugars are very high, causing damage in your body, putting you to higher risk of a heart attack, higher risk of a stroke. Um, but you don't know, you don't feel it per se when mm. your sugars are high. And, and if, if you're not having routine blood work and, and somebody's keeping a close eye and being, you know, maybe a little more proactive about it, then, then time's going to go by and the damage will start settling in, you know, highest risk of, of blindness in our country, poorly controlled diabetes, highest risk of renal failure, uh, kidney failure, needing to go on dialysis. The number one cause, poorly controlled diabetes. Number one cause of amputations and chronic wounds, poorly controlled 
diabetes. So those are some of the clear and present dangers that people kind of raise an eyebrow about. Oh, you know, I don't want to go blind. Yeah. But you're twice as likely to have a heart attack than somebody who doesn't have diabetes. The the, the, the diabetes leads to the, uh, to the cardiac issue. It leads to everything. It's officially the seventh leading cause of death in our country. So that means on a death certificate, they put diabetes, which is profound because really there's usually something else. Right. But it is the secondary contributory cause to the the vast majority of the causes of death so the heart attack strokes right. these types of things you know it might say heart attack is the number so you have to put you, you have to, right that certificate there's like the main reason and then there's a and we understand this is really morbid what we're talking about but oh i no, don't it, i don't mean it, to be morbid no, it, but, but the it, reality the is reality. diabetes awareness it is it is it is killing people and people don't know it yeah so it's officially the seventh leading cause of death and contributing to most of the things above it you know yeah. higher leading causes and, of death. and again how many how many COVID deaths oh, were yeah. diabetic deaths? Right. So that, that shined a light on it a bit. Sure. More. And and people realize, holy cow, you know, this is really, my diabetes is, is not just a number that I check with a finger prick every once in a while. It's wow. it's much more involved. Let's grab a phone call, Doc. Um, sure. Hey, caller, you're live with Dr. F uh, uh, Melarano here. Go ahead. Hey, I was wondering uh, if you can recommend any sort of natural sweeteners that might spike the glucose uh, considerably less than, you know, the uh, typical, you know, sugar and corn syrup. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good question. All right. I'm going to have him answer off the air. Thanks for the call. Uh, so, so what, so what's the, what's that, what's behind that? People that have low sugar, they have to, they have to so, have a little, a little sugar pills around or something or. I don't think. Are we on? No, he's gone. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. He's asking about a natural you, sweetener. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, so there's two points to this uh, question, I think. I think part of it is at wondering uh, if a person's having low sugar, what, what they should do to bring their sugars up. Yeah. But I think he was mostly asking what type of sugars are a safer option. Okay, go ahead. Um, um, and no doubt he had mentioned you know, uh, high fructose corn syrup is, is really even worse than you might imagine it is. It's, it is a terrible product. Um, and, and that goes back to the time where they took, um, they took all the fat out of our, uh, out of our, remember in the eighties and nineties, low fat, low fat. What did they do? They substituted sugars and, and carbohydrates back into those foods. And, and that has very much contributed to our major obesity epidemic since then. Sugar is not necessarily the enemy. Um, you, you could have a little bit. So what I often tell patients, you know what, if you're going to need sugar in your coffee or whatever, or, uh, you know what, I'd rather you could just go ahead and put a, a little bit of honey or a little bit of actual natural sugar that you're going to change sugar. Yeah, yeah. That you're going to process. Okay. You know, and, 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 and it's going to leave you the, a lot of the artificial ones. They ultimately, even the diet, right? Diet pop, these kinds of things. Yeah. So a good example is this. I've had several patients come off of their diet soda and their sugar's get better and they say doc I, there's That's not really shocking. there's not real sugar in there well well kind of you know so some of those fake sugars that are in there um ultimately get broken down into some simple sugars or have your mind craving more car more sweets more carbs so they may drink that diet pop and end up eating twice the amount of carbs that they otherwise might not have they crave the brain brain wants more it says well that's good i want some more of that so i, I don't necessarily have a go-to sort of artificial sweetener to be honest okay. it's, it's more part of the whole picture of you know what what tell me what you're using that in and what is it that you're eating that you think you need that in it because mm -hmm. ultimately we really should be eating more you know sort of um 
one word one word foods right uh <laughs> you know um you know meat um you know broccoli it shouldn't have a list of ingredients if we we should we should be shopping around the periphery of the store right get your fruits vegetables dairy meats and get out of there yeah. it, it, so many things in the center of the store if it's coming out of a box a bag has a list of ingredients it's really not great for any human being and certainly not our diabetics so if you're eating an apple yeah, you know that's right. natural sugar. I mean, it's sweet. Well, fruits have a little bit of a you know. There's a little asterisk next to yeah, fruits because okay. um, there's a lot of sugar and there's even some a fair amount of carbs. So okay. you have to think that in moderation. Sure. You have to almost treat it like a dessert, where you might have a small portion after mm -hmm. some meals, but people that have like a large portion after every meal, their sugars are definitely going to go up. Right. I can think of of, an, uh, of a situation where I had a person on a continuous glucose monitor, right? So the patient's wearing a sensor that shows their sugars all the time. And their sugars are well controlled. But every day at noon, there's a spike, big spike. Every day it spike. And I said, what are you eating at, at lunch? You know, what your sugars are pretty well controlled. What are you eating at lunch? And he'd say, oh, doc, you'd be so proud of me. I, I have a nice big bowl of fruit every day for my uh, lunch. Uh, and I said, well, no, you, that's too much. You can't. Yeah, can't so cut that, big bowl. cut that yeah. down. Yeah. So, so are there are there some fruits that are better than others? I, I always yeah. heard the like blackberries are better than a blueberry or whatever. Correct. Yeah, actually, no. The berries are very good. No, blue blueberries are excellent. Yeah. Blackberries, raspberries. The berries are are um, not only do they have a lot of the healthy good stuff, the mm -hmm. antioxidants and all the things that are good for us when it comes to fruits. They have less uh, less of the sugars. Okay. You might think of a banana as actually being one of the worst ones. A lot of carbs, a lot of sugar in a banana. Um, you know, a portion's supposed to be half a banana, but I don't know it's yeah. half a banana. Yeah, unless uh, you're sharing it with your kid. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> so fruits, so say, sort of same thing, moderation. Think of it as, almost as a dessert. Talk about the incidences of diabetes in young people. Are you seeing more yes. come through your door? Yeah, um, un unfortunately, the obesity epidemic, epidemic in our country uh, has probably affected you know the kids more than even the rest of us, um, and we're seeing diabetes and obesity being diagnosed at a younger and younger age every year. For for several for several years, the trend continues. So, and we're talking about type two obesity-driven diabetes, not not type one in kids. We're right. talking type two in kids. So. No, it, it, it continues to get worse. and has everything to do with nutrition, food choices. Um, and, and yes, I, I don't uh, treat pediatric um, pediatri pediatrics. I do have several 15, 16-year-olds uh, patients, um, but, um, but, but I have plenty of experience learning along the way how to do treat they these patients. Are they, I mean, are they, do therapies work quicker with kids? Or not necessarily. Well, I mean, I mean, there's this concept of whether or not you can bring your diabetes into remission through significant, uh, you know, diet and exercise and these drugs, right? So every every year, uh, when the medications have to be kind of reclassified. Uh, who are they approved for? And um, the the weight loss meds. Um, have kept, have kept dropping the year that they're you know it was 18 year you know you, it was adult for the longest time like no these these weight loss meds aren't really approved for kids but the, the, we've had to reopen we have had to open that door because 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 of the you know epidemic yeah and and um you know several different medications are approved for weight loss um as you know as as years go by for kids for wow people. yeah wow. so um, it, that's yeah. Uh, that's amazing the um uh all right, so we, we've been talking about drugs. We've been talking about, um, you know, kind of the different categories. Uh, the, the, the folks that are uh, 
at a higher uh, level, do you, do you feel like they're you're able to? I mean, if you don't manage that, are they are they jumping up to a, a ten A one C unmanaged? Are you able to bring those those numbers down? And and what do you use for that kind of thing? I mean, if you have somebody that's running 350, 400 yeah. glucose levels and yeah. stuff. So, you know, one thing I think I kind of pride myself on is is not throwing insulin immediately at these patients. Okay. Where, um, you know, traditionally that was it. That was the trigger. You know, no, hey, you, you've you've you're too far gone. Uh, it's time for insulin and. The reality is those patients may not come back again to see me again because they don't want to be put on insulin, right? You know, they haven't been on much of anything, right, because their sugars are so wow. incredibly high. And they haven't had a chance to try a lot of the other meds. Um, and so I said, no, there's options here. Let's ease into it. There's a class called SGLT2 inhibitors. These are the Flozins, Invocana, uh, Farsiga, Stiglatra. These are the brand names. These are Flozins. And they, they cause you to lose sugar in your urine, meaning it, it kind of tricks your kidneys to pee out more sugar. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's a wonderful class. Uh, decreased edema, you know, swelling in your lower yeah. extremities. There's weight loss associated with that because yeah. you're, you're, you know, you're losing more glucose. Cardiovascular benefits proven in, the, in this class of medications. And I can knock a person's sugar just from an 11 to maybe a 9 or an 8 pretty quickly with that class of medication alone. And and it, all it is is one pill every morning. Wow. And it's sort of the, the bigger you are, the harder you fall. So we, yeah. we can get an 11 down to 8 um, pretty easily. It's that 8 to 6 that, that it takes a that, little extra finesse. Takes, takes the, the hard work. Doc, I'm, I'm looking at the statistics um, from uh, the NIH here. They're saying 37 million Americans, including adults and youth, are... Um, are affected by diabetes and you think that number is even higher when it comes to pre-diabetes right i mean yeah that's right so yeah you're, the number you just gave that's 11 percent of the u.s population is wow. a diagnosis of diabetes and they're estimating that another about nine million have not yet been diagnosed so so they have it but it has not yet been um, diagnosed and, and then there's the risk of the pre-diabetics mm. the because does it necessarily mean that if you if you're you know hitting around a 5.9 a1c or if you're getting that 110 fasting glucose number that it's going to get worse if you don't treat it right and, and i and i think that's one of the biggest points for today's show letting people know that have been told that they're borderline diabetics or pre-diabetic that they need to watch their diet and exercise or else it's going to get worse that they need to take that seriously number one and number two that they should consider starting a medication potentially to to, to help control it and you know the pills aren't the enemy the right. disease is so you know I know you might not want to be on a medication. I understand that. But if it's going to give you an opportunity to stave off that heart attack that you didn't necessarily have to have or the other complications, then it was then it was worth it. Then it was worth it. But if you're told you're a pre-diabetic, it doesn't mean diabetes is on the horizon. It isn't like this is the stage before you have it. You're, it's, it's inevitable. That's not the case. It's you're at risk of it. And if there is an inter intervention of some kind, if, if those improvements aren't made, if the weight doesn't markedly come down, if the diet doesn't markedly improve, or if, if you don't start a medication, then you're very, rather likely to become an overt diabetic yeah. you know, in the future. Talk about the place of genetics in all of this. 
Yes, absolutely. So a person can, if they're wondering if they're a diabetic or they've been told they're borderline and they want to get a better appreciation of just how bad their risk is, there's a lot of calculators you can go online. Um, and some of them you punch everything in and then it asks for like your email and says, well, we'll give you your answer, you know, and then right. you don't want, and then that always, that's a shutdown for me. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, but at do I have diabetes.org? That's the website. Do I have diabetes.org? You can punch in the risk factors. And it's going to look at your age, your sex and family history. So the answer is yes. If, if there's a family history of type two diabetes, you're at a market increased risk of being a, a diabetic as well. It's going to ask for your weight. Your, you know, it, it does the calculations and weight, age, sex, uh, hereditary risk factors all will give you an idea of how high risk how at risk you are of, of developing diabetes are males more have more yeah. propensity than females yes yeah yeah the answer is yes um, yeah. yeah like a lot of disease processes uh, we do have a slightly higher risk but females are absolutely you know have their share of type 2 diabetes as well you know I'm looking at, uh, again, what the NIH is saying there. Tips to get started. Manage your blood glucose, blood pressure, and cholesterol levels. Now, they're throwing those all together. They, you, they're in their they, twine, they, huh? they, they run around in the same, in the same club. So, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. They, you know, and what are we looking at? We're trying to reduce the risk of a, essentially a heart attack. Uh, so poorly controlled diabetes. There's, they call it micro and macrovascular um, disturbances. So, so that high sugar in your bloodstream literally causes damage to the to the blood vessels. That's one of the ways it does the damage that it does. So the micro, the small blood vessels of the eyes, the kidneys, the tips of your toes, those are affected. But also the large arteries, the large larger blood vessels, and and of course those. That's how um, we have things like the heart attack, right? What but, is the kind of damage? Is it adding, like? plaque in there or is it well deteriorating the walls what is it kind of kind of both one of the things it primarily does is the the tiniest blood vessels that service the the smallest of nerves so the neuropathy right yeah we diabetic neuropathy is the nerve damage associated with poorly controlled diabetes and that's what leads to the retinopathy the blindness the kidney failure so those are the smallest nerves and uh the smallest blood vessels are damaged mechanically physically by glu- by sugar it's like it's like glass rolling through flying through your bloodstream oh my god you can look think of it that way and the smallest blood vessels are are damaged and affected that that were servicing the smallest of nerves so those nerves are damaged because the blood vessels that would have served them are damaged by the high sugars so those are in your eyes your kidneys your, your so, feet so you could be of a certain age and you notice that geez uh i, I have this weird feeling in my foot you know, like my yeah. foot's going to sleep right. And again, if you're walking around undiagnosed, that could be issues. That could be it, yeah. So some of the first signs would be, um, and you've heard of some of these, uh, increased thirst, increased urination. So when a person's sugars are high in their blood, they are, they're, they're dumping more uh, sugar in their, in their urine. So they're peeing more. Water falls at their bladder, fills, fills more quickly. So, the, you know, polyuria, polydipsia, that means increased urination, increased thirst. Those are some of the first signs of diabetes. Interesting. Um, you, some numbness and tingling in, in your extremities are usually a consequence of longer-standing, poorly controlled diabetes. But they'll first sort of notice some of those things, increased thirst, increased urination. That should be uh, a red flag. Say they see more bubbles in their urine, um, that means there's more sugar in there. So so, so patients will, can notice that. That's, a, that's another sign that they may catch. 
Um, you're not going to get vision changes until it's too late. Mm. So a patient might say, no, doc, my vision's fine. And I'd say, that has nothing to do with it. We have to check the retina. You have to get a dilated eye exam. All diabetics should have an eye exam once a year. A dilated eye exam where they make the pupils big and they can see the back of your eye, your retina, because that's where the blood vessel damage occurs in diabetes. So they should have an eye exam at least once a year. Insurance would cover it. And a foot exam from a podiatrist to to thoroughly examine between the toes, etc. Make sure there's no damage that could lead to an infection, that could lead to a bone infection, that could lead to the, an amputation. I mean, this, it, it, it shocks me at, at the kinds of numbers that we're talking about to the kind of damage. I mean, this is, this is truly a monster in our midst, medically speaking. It, it really is. It's probably one of the most rewarding things that I do in my day. So, Diabetes is just part of what an endocrinologist does, yeah. but it's the majority because it's the most prevalent endocrinopathy or endocrine-related disease. And so when I have those A1Cs coming back better every day and my patients' numbers are getting better, um, it's very rewarding for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, another doctor may, say, heal a bone and they can see it improve right in front of them, you know, that, that moment, right? They, they realign something. My reward comes a little bit later, but the patients keep coming back and they come back and their A1Cs are improving. And I know I, 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 didn't, rev I didn't give them a, a cardiac bypass, but I know I have reduced their risk of having a heart attack in the future. Talk about like your superstar patients. What's their lifestyle like? Because they probably came in pretty busted up uh, with uh, high sugar numbers. Well, um, boy, all I ask for my patients are to meet me halfway. Okay. So you know what? That's very reasonable. That's all I ask. I, I'm going to do my part. And if you do your part, it's only halfway too. I only need you to meet me halfway. We will achieve our mutual goal of you being better. That, that's your goal. That's my goal. So my, my superstar patient is anybody who's, who is willing to do that. Right, yeah. who's willing to meet me halfway, and then uh, to be so honest, so what's that lifestyle look like? Well, geez, just to be honest with me, yeah. if they're missing some of their meds, I need to know about it, you know, because if you know, well, doc, I sometimes forget to take this one, or uh, I don't take that one, or I only take that once a day, not twice a day. So that's happening, huh? Well, everybody, right? Everybody misses yeah, yeah, some yeah. meds. Sometimes, no, that's yeah. well, yeah, quite. You know, some people more than others. Yeah. So one is to be honest, because I'm looking at their blood work in in light of thinking that they're taking everything sure. so i need to in some disease like thyroid diseases that's very important i can only look at those those labs in appreciating what they're actually taking so so i need patients to to meet me halfway and be honest with me so my superstar patient is is being honest you know well doc i've missed this one and that one well why well it's too expensive thanks for telling me let's fix it i'll get you something different that is covered better if they just ignore it or just don't want to bring it up i that's where failures happen Sure. And so, so being honest, and then obviously trying their best to eat eat healthy, trying their best to cut out you know the worst of things, you know the the the, the pop and the and the and the you know the fast food, which isn't good for really too many of us, and then um you know and just making to their appointments right, doing their blood work if they have blood work to be done before they come in. If they don't have it, we don't have much to talk about. You know, sounds like a lot is dependent on access and yeah. Uh, it, it makes me wonder if folks that have uh, whether whether it is a socioeconomic issue where they're not able to get to this high level of care that could really be detrimental to them. Well, um, we we accept all insurances, basically yeah. all insurances at, at Lecom, and so um, I will work with anybody. 
you know, and and I don't prescribe medications without making some acknowledgement of is it going to be covered well for this patient or not. I don't blindly write, you know, send in meds. Well, this is what you need and see you next time. I do acknowledge is it going to be actually covered for this patient. And that's a I I do it every day, all day long. That's my MA is spending more than half her time with prior authorizations, approvals, etc. It's it's unfortunate how much extra work goes into medicine in this country, but that's just that way the way it is and then we have a lot of samples too so i can get a person started on some samples as we're trying to figure out the best covered medication for them for example so but diabetes affects all socioeconomic classes it affects us all and um and and yes cost and things play a major you know have to be considered but yeah you know if there's something in family history or something that uh is in a cultural setting where you're saying you know, we, we don't really trust doctors. I mean, it's really a, a ticking time bomb when it comes to a disease yeah. like diabetes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like it's maybe maybe the worst one. I mean, maybe. No, no doubt. Because because, um, you know, education has a big role in, in, in this. So I spend a lot of time educating my patients about what this disease really is, how dangerous it is for the patient and all the things that impact it. And of course, you know, diet and things we've talked about yeah. and, and, and taking a medication. You're asking a patient maybe to prick their finger and check their sugars. Well, who wants to do that per se? Or start an, an injectable where they never had one before. But, you know, it, you'd, you'd be, you might be surprised the amount of patients that pretty easily come around to, well, no, that injection wasn't that bad. Right. You know, I can do that. Um, I might do the first dose right in the office. Like, no, let me show you how easy this is. And I go get a sample. And, 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 and see, just today a patient said, I didn't even feel that at all. I mean, you know, <laughs> right. and, yeah. and so, um, yeah, these barriers have to be, you know, worked. That's, well, that's why I do what I do. It, it, is, it is amazing what some of this stuff costs. Like oh, the, the, you, sure. the, the, what you, you may not pay it as a patient, but yeah. like the, what is it? You, what's the UNE, the usual and accepted or UNA, or I can't remember what the, the term is. It's thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's thousands if, if of dollars for one of those shots. Yeah. But right. You might pay 25 bucks. Right. Yeah. So it's quite complicated. You might say, geez, why are these medications so much money? But there's a significant amount of research and development that goes into yeah. them. And it's understandable. But, um, you know, they're literally, Another plant was just built, two billion dollars. You know, um, these plants are just—they can't build them fast enough because these medications are so popular and so effective. They literally are building plants as fast as they can. Yeah, these and these are very, very big companies. These are Pfizer, just, Lilly, Novo you know, Nordisk. Correct. Nordics, you know, I mean, Cor- yes, incredible. yes, yes. So, no, the cost is is an issue, but we have ways to 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 come, you know, to work on it. So, yeah. um, as, as people are, you know making uh, their way into Christmas. And we only have a few more minutes with Dr. Melarano, you know, uh, the, the NIH saying take small steps toward healthy habits. And, and really, you know, it's all the basics. It's exercise, it's sleep, it's, you know, mental health can contribute. I think if you're really stressed out, doesn't that pop your sugar up? Uh, certainly, yeah. So, so having an infection can cause your sugars to go markedly elevated. Having marked stress causes the stress hormones, cortisol, these kinds of things. 
your sugars will rise with that. Yeah. So you know, no doubt, um, you know, the, the, the eating holidays, as I call it, you know, I remind <laughs> patients to, to be careful, you know, just, just, just watch it. We got through Halloween, we got through Thanksgiving and <laughs> now, you know, comes Christmas, but that, that's a tough time for a lot of my patients. So sure. all things in moderation and, you know, you, a patient can, anyone can only do one thing at a time, right? Try to do a good job with this meal today. Try to do, and then, and then try to repeat. I'm not asking them to write a contract where you'll never eat another Snickers bar. You know, that's nonsense. It's just one thing at a time. That's life, right? You can yeah. only do one thing at a time. I love how you say, meet me halfway. I'll, I'll, I'll bring the medicine. You bring the lifestyle changes, and yeah. we'll, we'll have a solution here. Let's grab another phone call. Hey, you're live uh, with our expert here on Talk Erie. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I was wondering, I had been diagnosed with diabetes for four years now and i i feel fine um i i pretty much know that i'm in relatively uh the right um <clears throat> what do you want to say as far as uh testing your blood i i i i have got away from testing my blood and uh how critical is that you know daily I Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's a good question. How, you know, hi, doc, how often do I need to check my, my sugars? So are, uh, can I ask, or is he still there? He's still there yeah. yeah. Are you on insulin? Uh, no, okay. I have, uh, I was on insulin for 70 days and then, uh, they put me on Janumet. Right. And I've been doing that. Okay. Everything, all my signs are fine, but except that I, I'm pretty sure that my, uh, sugars are pretty good. Yeah. But they're a little, they're around 114, 120, 130. That's pretty good. Yeah, when you do check them. So, no, it's a great question. Thanks for asking. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that are wondering exactly that question. So, you're on Janumet. That's a pill. That's metformin combined with Januvia. So, two two oral pill diabetic meds. And and I asked if you're on insulin because if you're on insulin, you a person absolutely should be checking their sugars before every time they're dosing that insulin because that insulin is going to lower their sugar and if they're low going into it well they're then they're going to have a problem so for my patients that aren't on insulin then um, they really don't have to check their sugars all the time if they do it's a benefit right so the patient will know what their sugars are doing when they eat this or eat that when they remember to take their medicine or they don't it makes them you know aware and kind of come uh, just just making some better decisions when they can see their sugars more often. But to answer you directly, no. It, if you're not checking your sugars all the time, that's okay. I, I'm a, I'm a, I assume you know what your A1C is. Is that like? Do you know what your last A1C was? It was six. Well, that's excellent, right? So it's a very well controlled diabetic. I often will ask maybe a new patient, "Hey, what's your A1C?" And and they've been a diabetic for years, and they mean and when they don't know it. That's very telling, right? That means they basically have very little awareness of how well their disease is controlled or not. You might say, how many miles are in your car? And they'll tell you. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, you, you, should, you should have a better awareness of this disease that's trying to kill you, you know, uh, than just the miles on your car. So you, to, to answer you directly, sir, yeah, you're doing okay. That A1C is excellent. And uh, there's no need for you to be checking your sugars all the time. So thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Take care. Um, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I mean, being kind of clueless, especially well, you know, like we kind of opened. This is a yeah. silent killer, right? Yeah. So, so this is causing all kinds of damage, and the patient doesn't feel it at all. Mm -hmm. So then it comes down to doctors' visits, blood work, talking about doing things, saying, "Hey, you know, don't eat this, do that." And traditionally, um, endocrinologists 
or maybe other family doctors would 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 scold the patient. Why? Right. How dare you eat this? Or you uh, you should know better. Or, I won't do that to my patients because what is that going to do? That's simply mm-hmm. going to make a patient not feel good about themselves, um, uh, not comply, not want to come back and see me. I didn't do them any good. Who's gonna? What adult right. is gonna listen to being scolded at? Not too many, right? So I work with the patient, and um, but yes, it's a silent disease that if you don't have any awareness, it's gonna keep hurting you. If you go for that annual checkup, um, there's generally blood work with that. Are they pulling a glucose? Yes. What is that on a on a, on a, a basic a metabolic EMP panel or, or CMP? Yeah, yeah, both of those. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, okay. So any standard and it's always blood work. it's always. Fasting, so you get a fasting number generally. It should be a fast if it's an annual blood work, then yeah. that, then there should be a cholesterol panel, a part of that blood work, and that should definitely be a fasting lab. Yes, that's a fasting. So, lab. so you get your lipids and you get your your, 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 your sugar. metabolic panel, and your yeah. glucose level will be on there. Okay. And, and as a fasting glucose level, it should be below you know 100, below 99. And, and so, if, if it's above 99, that's when they can call back. And try to get an A1C. Generally? They should, yeah. Okay. So, so, but I think you know, I for whatever reason, it might be 109, 110, 120. That you know, the doc's gonna might say, well, you know, just keep an eye on it. You know, well, yeah. but no, you're in clear and present danger of that becoming worse. So, so this A1C, is something to ask your doctor. Yeah, yeah. So one in three Americans walking around are considered pre-diabetic. One in one in three. That means their sugars, and we're not talking about diabetics. Diabetics are diabetics, but the rest of us. One in three are pre-diabetic. Their sugar is higher than it should be, and they're at risk of becoming an overt diabetic. And, and and a more proactive approach can help prevent them from becoming diabetics. I think if we leave it there, that's that's the takeaway. It, re- it is. It really is the takeaway. Dr. Fernando Melarano, uh, endocrinologist, LECOM Health, thanks for all that you do and for your special... Um, sharing here on the show you're very welcome it's always a pleasure chatting with you and it's always a, a good opportunity to reach out to anybody that i could help we're, we're all in it together for uh we want a healthier eerie that's right i i and, and you don't have to agree with me but i feel like if we went after a disease like diabetes like we went after covid can you imagine yeah. how healthier our community would be no, it's true. I mean, with I'm talking about the education and the the awareness, right, right. All the public relations that we did. I mean, again, we were fighting a pandemic, but isn't this pretty much the same kind of thing? It, it is. It is. It affects. It affects millions of people. Um, it, it's very. Um, it causes major morbidity and mortality, um, and it's it's preventable, right? So, you know, heart disease gets a lot of attention. Who doesn't worry about their heart, right? Who doesn't know somebody who had a heart attack? Grandma died of a heart attack, you know. So the heart heart awareness is is huge, right? But I could tell you, diabetes is a major contributor to heart disease. Yeah, right. And we can manage it with just a little bit of effort. You've been listening to the Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing Joel at TalkErie.com.